Hi, everybody. I'm Mace, your host of the Mad Mortgage Show, your source for no BS, in-depth mortgage discussion. Uh, today, we're joined by the, the top brass of marketing, I think, from Ellie May. We have Erica Bigley, the VP of Communications and Branding, and Jonas Moe, the SVP of Marketing. Did I get all that right? You got all that right. Yeah, well done. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, you know, this was, uh, I think we're all sailing through some uncharted waters, so I did want to kind of address that, uh, you know, we didn't ever intend on doing a, uh, a virtual interview, uh, but I think we're all having to do some shit we didn't normally do. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of like Ellie Mae didn't really want to do a virtual experience, I'm sure. Um, it so, wasn't top of the list. <laughs> well, be- before we get into the uh, actual experience, um, how are things day-to-day at Ellie Mae right now? Is it business as usual? Well, I... Nothing's usual right now, um, but as a company, we're adapting well. I think uh, what this has shown us is that we've had to flex a muscle that maybe we didn't know we had. Um, a lot of our workforce is already mobile. So we had about 40% of our workforce that had already adapted to being mobile, and we were leveraging tools and technology like Zoom uh, to make that happen. Um, but taking your whole workforce and distributing them to these home offices has Showed us what we can do, uh, what we need to improve. But overall, it's it's actually been, if there's any bright spot in all this craziness, uh, it's been the fact that we, we adapted really well to being a mobile culture. Um, and folks are getting their feet underneath them. And, and there are folks that are thriving. Um, if they can tune out their kids and animals and all the other chaos, we, we see actually productivity in a number of areas that's actually going up. Um, so no, it's not usual, but from a collaboration standpoint, we're trying to support our clients and, uh, we're trying to support each other. I think one of the things I'm most proud of is, uh, what we're doing around communications and I'll let Erica handle that, but I'm really proud of kind of what we've done from keeping our employees and customers in the loop. Um, we're not perfect and this isn't easy, but we've, we've, I think done a really good job of making sure that. We're letting folks know kind of what our plans are, what our pandemic response is, and, and how we handle that. Yeah. Well, do you want to touch on the uh, communications aspect? Um, just full disclosure, everybody, she is at home in a playroom, so there, there might be a baby on this call sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there are no babies anymore, but they are 10 and 11, and sometimes the husband acts like a baby, um, and there's two dogs wandering around as well. So just like Jonas's house, it is quite the menagerie at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think to Jonas's point, um, you know, we, A, I think we did a, a great job with the security team and the facilities team and our business continuity team of um, doing test runs before. So we have, um, we do tabletop scenarios. We do them twice a year. Uh, we've done them on things like having an active shooter on our campus. We've had a chemical waste spill on the highway. Um, but wow. actually just two months ago, we tested our pandemic and business continuity um, with, with a flu outbreak. And so we ran through for two hours a scenario in, that looks pretty similar to what the world is contending with right now. Um, and what that did was it helped us identify the things that we didn't know or the things that we couldn't do right in that moment. Like, you know, how do we address it if the receptionist isn't sitting at the desk to answer the calls that come in? How do we roll those over? 
How do we contend with people remote trying to access their benefits um, guidelines and brochures for how to get help? How do they report um, things that are going on in their household? And so it, it enabled us to see things that we didn't know so that we could fix kind of some of those pain points that we thought we might have. So that going into this, we already had a really robust playbook um, and enabled us to do exactly what Jonas said, move the workforce, change experience, do a lot of these things without hitting those roadblocks. And we've been following it up with regular communications. We've got videos from Jonathan, our CEO, that go out every week. We've got a stand-up meeting every day to talk with the business continuity team. We leverage our internet to keep our employees updated. Um, and we have our Slack channels. And actually, there's been great additions of things like our water cooler, where we're sharing recipes or what everyone's binge watching just to stay connected. Um, we've got a working parents channel that's full of a lot of dad jokes right now. Um, but, you know, we, we're trying to keep the communications up so that even in this new remote workforce, people still feel like they're tied to the hub and they've got this um, virtual family there to support them. Well, I'm glad you guys are on top of it. I, I think that there's a lot of lenders that were not. And I, I think that uh, it's kind of a, a telling time. And I feel like it's time to, I don't think that the, the industry is never going to be the same. There's, I don't know that I would want to be in commercial real estate after this. I, the amount of people that are going to say, I kind of like this. Um, I think it's yeah. going to, it's going to increase a lot. Um, yeah, it makes Eric and I were talking yesterday about this exact topic. I think we've shown that we can do it. And are people going to want to go back to that two hour commute? Um, or can they find that productivity at home? And so we're going to have to have some serious conversations, not just LMA, but the whole industry. And, and I think a lot of folks that don't have that job that requires them to manufacture, produce, but they can produce virtually regardless of where they're at. We're going to have some conversations as we transition back to what we thought was the normal world because everything's changed. Um, and the point about commercial real estate, I was talking to Jordan Brown this morning and that was his exact point is, oh my God, what happens to commercial real estate going forward? Do people want to lease those 30,000 square feet, beautiful offices that are cube bills uh, for employees that may not want to be there any longer? Mm -hmm. And, and we're lucky that we are in an industry that is very objective. So if a closer does eight loans at home and seven in the office, I want that person to go home. <laughs> you know, if you're underwrite 50% more, like I'm telling you to go home and then, then yep. we're going to see people say, can I just come to the office once a week? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the interesting thing that we're contending with now is, you know, because people's productivity is so, is, so elevated, you know, there aren't weekend activities, there aren't things that people are doing at night. So when you want to step away from your spouse or your children or your dog or whatever it is, or you've been binge watched till the end of Netflix, people are getting back online and they're doing more work. And what we're worried about now is our employees actually burning out from the productivity um, and trying to give them tips and tools so that they can manage their day. You know, they can find that start and that stop so that they don't hit hit a brick wall in two or three weeks if we're still in this mm -hmm. um, and find that they're not able to, to continue working. We want yeah. people to have a nice plane. It'd be nice if there was a little bit more choice involved for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I think we're all going to have to answer that question. Hopefully in the next three to four months, we'll have to answer that question. 
It'll be an interesting one. Erica knows that I am a staunch, I got to go to the office. I love it. It took me a while to get to this environment. But you know what? 10 minutes before I got on this call, I, I rode the Peloton and I took a shower. And you know what? It's good. It's not a bad thing for me because I'm the, I'm the guy that's at the office for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And if I can take a little break and get a little cardio in, and it's not a bad thing. If you can get that productivity there, does it really matter where you're at? So yeah, Erica mentioned the night and weekend activity. She's basically saying a lot less hangovers right now. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what are lenders reaching out to you guys about a lot right now? I'm sure your phones are blowing up just like ours are. Um, what are you kind of seeing the lenders really uh, latching onto right now? I know you sent out a press release today, kind of a little bit about some of the things you're addressing to help with this COVID response. Uh, go ahead and touch on that for me. Yeah, I think the main things... Um, well, because we have been trying to over-communicate, I think a lot of the calls have been stymied just by good communication. But there are three key areas where lenders are seeking more knowledge. Uh, as Eric had touched on, business continuity. They want to know that as they see record production coming through from a volume perspective, that we're going to be here with lights on. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they're virtual lights or not, that we're going to be there to be a good technology partner for them that we're going to keep our network intact so that all of our network partners are enabled and providing kind of the rich services that they provide. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know that we're going to scale um, that no matter what the volumes look like, if, if rates drop any further and we see another tranche of, of loans coming through from a refi perspective, they want to know that we're there to scale. And I think we've done a pretty good job talking about our, our platform approach and specifically what we've done over the last three years with AWS. Um, scalability is not an issue for us. Uh, we're going to be able to meet needs no matter what those volumes uh, grow to. As a couple other technology uh, providers in space have, have seen some outages and um, in, in, in some cases uh, malicious attacks, we feel pretty good about where we're at from a scalability. We feel great about where we're at from a security perspective. This is an area that we've invested heavily in and, and just to give people the peace of mind in, in these uncertain times, we can talk about the things that work that they don't have to worry about. It just takes one thing off their plate. And the other thing that they've asked about um, is updates, um, but maybe in a different way than they've asked about before. Uh, normally we get people clamoring for, well, when is this next release going to come out that has this functionality? And um, We've done a lot of work with our account reps going out to talk to the lenders. We're like, hey, just give us a break. Just take the foot off the accelerator a little bit with the updates and releases. Give us the critical patches if there's something that has to do with compliance. But if you could stick to the critical stuff right now and not give us a, a number of new features to consume, we'd be happy because we're just trying to keep our heads above water as they adapt to their employees going completely mobile. And as they adapt to, in some cases, inordinate amount of volume for this time of year. Um, we've kind of listened to them and we've taken our foot off the uh, accelerator in terms of uh, new feature and functionality releases that we'll put out in Q2. Well, and one of those, uh, you just had a required update kind of fall in your lap a little bit more of a demand is uh, probably um, e-closing. Um, I've, uh, you know, we used to get about two contacts to sales at masonnovations.com a month. And the other day we had 12 before 9am and, um, it's, it's, you know, the lenders are, are scrambling and, um, I, I, you know, I want to make sure that 
so we, we're partnering with Notarize. I think we're going to be having some communication about that further. But, you know, I'd say nine out of 10 lenders we talk to, um, it's a really tough conversation because we have to tell them, hey, typically this is a 30-day process, and now every lender wants it yesterday. And so there's a little bit of a guide, and we'll probably link it in here just to make sure people are knowing um, don't just wait on the technology. You still need to go get your Fannie and Freddie approvals, get, you know, develop your secondary strategy so that way you can go to uh, MERS e-registration and making sure that you address, are you going to service? Are you going, what warehouse lines are you going to use? Who are you going to sell to? So uh, we're definitely trying to put that in people's hands because um, a lot of times they're really bummed out and just saying, but but why not tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Um, everyone's looking for a silver bullet. They're approaching the situation as, well, yeah, now is the right time to do e-closing because people can't leave their house. So I, I'm, I'm all in. Well, if you weren't already on a path and really long down that path, it's not an overnight thing. Um, it is a 30 to 60 day process to get your shop in a place where they can um, even be in a hybrid e-close situation. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of lenders that were already on that path and we've helped push them over the edge and, and they're seeing some efficiency gains. But exactly what you said is what we're doing for the rest of them. Let's talk through what you need to do. Um, it's going to be a process and it's not going to be an overnight thing. We feel really lucky. We have a lot of great partners like Mace, um, like Notarize, like Simplefile that are helping lenders understand what they can do, what they can bite off. And then we're doing a lot ourselves just to make sure that when a lender is ready, that our docs are in that hybrid state where they can do a lot of that e-closing um, in the closing docs just by having them uh, map properly. So they plug into a solution and they can move that process along. But it's not overnight. Um, mm. I know this snuck up on us, or at least it felt like it went from zero to 60 in that last um, part of March. But unless you were doing a lot already, it, it, there's nothing you can do that it's going to manifest a complete change in your organization uh, the next day. Mm -hmm. But I, I think we are in some cases seeing interest from lenders in, you know, it, it, the LMA lenders in the tools that, you know, we had made available to them for free as part of their platform investment. So things like Consumer Connect, which is the online application. Things like LO Connect, which um, is mobile functionality for their loan officers, where, you know, maybe four or five months ago, they were thinking, well, my LOs are all in the office all the time. Why do they need a mobile solution? They are just doing just fine the way that they are. Um, and suddenly, you know, a couple of weeks later, you have a, um, a group of LOs that are working from home. And so, it, you know, or they're working from wherever as they're dealing with their children or their loved ones and taking care of other things. And so now we're starting to see the interest in those solutions in addition to those partner innovations that are available on the platform. Yeah, so we're seeing hundreds of thousands of apps coming through our Consumer Connect channel. We'd already seen high volume there, but I think the fact that I can't sit down with a loan officer any longer to take an application, those tools suddenly become a, a nicety and now they become a necessity. Mm -hmm. uh, same with uh, the loan officer solutions. These are solutions that we've had out in the market for a while. And we've seen a big kind of hockey stick spike um, in those solutions because yeah, that's not an option any longer. My, my loan officer is mobile by nature. And so how do they have the tools to make them successful in that mobile environment? Yeah, that's, it's interesting that there's technology like e-closing that's been around for a while. 
And then, you know, I'm trying to sell it to people. Hey, check it out. We do a press release. And we did it, I think, was it like 10 days ago? And that was supposed to be a 60-day timeline. And we had to, you know, then Ellie Mae calls in six days. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, Jonas, you hit it on the head. Uh, Mortgage people are just very patient. You know, luckily, we're a very patient (laughs) industry. (laughs) Um, so I, I saw a little something today that I completely, I was going to do a little bit of research called, uh, clear capital. What is, what is it? What can you tell a little bit about what they do, what, what they're doing with you guys? Yeah. So clear capital has been around for a while. Um, great guys. Uh, they're out of the Tahoe Truckee. Um, now like, I think their main offices are in Reno and, uh, they do a lot around appraisal reviews, uh, appraisal QC. And so again, this is just one more way to expedite a process. If I'm doing, um, as appraisal rules are changing in this new time, um, if I can do a QC process over my appraisals, it just it it expedites a process, and they've been great partners, integrated for a number of years now. Yeah, pushing this innovation is, I mean, that's the silver lining here. People are going to be taking pictures in their house and uploading it for refinance. You know. <laughs> well, like you said, Chris, there's a lot of these solutions been around for a while, mm-hmm. um, but now it's it's it, they're kind of well, what can we do? Um, and what can we do without huge investments on um, internal processes? Can we leverage other technologies or other technology partners to gain efficiencies that we didn't have to have those efficiencies before? Well, now we do. There's no one scheduling an actual appraisal to come in and take pictures of your house. Like you got to adapt. If you don't adapt in this environment, um, you're going to be hard for us to. to provide the service to the customers and process loans. I mean, hell, I was embarrassed because I was like, what is this company? I consider myself a mortgage technology wizard and not so much. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's figuring out and learning and diving and forcing ourselves to dive in there a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, so you guys released some uh, really cool data. I don't even want to steal your limelight. You want to talk about some of this millennial data you uh, released? Was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, sure. So we, um, twice a month, we release data. Uh, we have our origination insights report and we have our millennial tracker. Yesterday, we put out our February uh, millennial tracker data for the month. Um, and we're, we're kind of doing something interesting in 2020 because as we've been tracking the millennials, we're now getting two groups. We've got our older millennials that are your 30 to 39 year olds. And then we have our um, younger generation millennials. I'm really glad um, I get to finally be called older because I am a millennial. <laughs> well, when you're like me and Jonas, you can be, you know, we've got the gray hair or hair, I guess. And Hey, oh, oh, that was a shot at me, Jonas. Jonas, trust me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing now is um, a, a large jump in the number of older millennials that are taking advantage of um, the refi opportunity right now. Um, our OIR data has been showing about a, a doubling in refis uh, between February and March. Um, and we're seeing that the older millennials are now uh, taking advantage of that refi opportunity. Um, we had 41% of um, older millennials doing refis and 58% doing purchases. That's versus the younger millennials. Their refi rate was 18%. Usually that that rate differs by about 10%, but we're seeing about a 30% jump there. Um, so that means you know, you've got your older millennials who purchased homes, whether a year ago, three years ago, whatever it is. I mean, they're in a position right now to capitalize on those low interest rates 
and reduce their payments. Um, you know, as there's uncertainty with what's going on with the economy, if there's a chance to take advantage and get your payment down so that you have more um, free cash flow during the month, we're seeing that happen. Um, and so we expect that that will continue uh, for the foreseeable future as interest rates stay as low as they are. Mm -hmm. Well, I, this was something interesting to me. I kind of went and used your uh, that data to go get a little bit more here. Um, a year ago, older millennials average credit score was 727. Now it's 739. And the youngers were 716 to 723. Um, I also thought it was interesting, the time to close based on age group was interesting because I looked at all of your data on the LMA Insights and it was about 43 days. But then the older millennials were 42, but they a year ago they were 48. And then the younger millennials are at 39 days to close and the year ago they were 45. So part of me thinks, you know, well, maybe they just have less documentation. Maybe they're utilizing more of the form free type things. I think it's pretty interesting to see that you know, on the refinances alone, 36 to 38 to 40, that's the difference of younger, older, and then the whole pot. Yeah. And I think what you're seeing too, in terms of, um, you know, from the LMA data, the time to close, it's the lender's use of technology that continues to drive those numbers down versus the industry average, which it tends to be, you know, seven to 10, sometimes 14 days longer than that. Um, and also just the volume, you know, you're looking at volume numbers, coming out of seasonality around the holiday season and getting back into the purchase refi market um, that takes us into the spring and the busier summer. So in some cases, the time to close shifts based on what the lender volume is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lender to lender. And I'm, I'm seeing that 82% LTV for older millennials now versus 85 last year. And then younger, 80, 87 to 89, we're just seeing more and more higher qualified uh, millennials, which is I'm yep. I'm impressed with. It shows us yeah, that market's getting strong. Hope we're interested to see how this average credit score is one year from now, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you know the next couple of months will paint a really um, interesting picture in terms of where we see you know the market share go between refi and purchase, and where we see the volume in terms of you know demographics. Well, we'll also have to look out for whether we start to see uh, refi cash out. I think uh, our refis have been rate driven. Um, and th this is regardless of uh, age demographic, but I think there's some indicators that we'll have to look at uh, to look at the health of the market. And if we see more cash out refis, I think that's gonna show kind of where people are at financially um, or stress-wise. Mm -hmm. Do you know much about what they're talking about postponing um, the and I didn't read much into it. So if you don't know, I mean, I, this, I didn't prep anybody for this kind of question, but they're thinking about uh, delaying any negative impacts to credit uh, for a few months. Yeah, I, I don't know enough to speak to it. Um, I read the same thing. Um, I'd, I'd like to dig a little deeper into what the implications are. Um, Jonas is saying, don't make me say something that gets me in trouble when they release this. <laughs> right. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, I think credit rates are are part of um, that process, and I think there's a lot of um, forgiveness right now uh, from a lot of different sectors in terms of um, bills that are being paid and and what that means. So I'm I'm curious to see how that manifests. Yeah, I haven't heard the word forbearance so much uh, as in this oh. industry as I have the last couple of weeks. So true. I had to go Google it again just to make sure I had it right. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, Erica, whenever we were there last time, uh, it was an interesting time. You, I think, were just on the idea of of canceling and doing a digital, uh, a digital or virtual experience. I guess is what you call it. Uh, and you kind of mentioned something. It was kind of cool to hear. You were like, you know, my team has been working on this all year long, so hard, and it was just like a knife in the gut. But then you said, you know, everybody's got rejuvenated. I mean, has that energy kept going? Is, is everybody just like, hell yeah, or you know, we're doing this virtual or? Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and Jonas can kind of talk a little bit more to the process of how we got there. But at the end of the day, you know, we sat down as a team with the leadership at LMA and said, why are we doing this? We do this event every year for the lenders uh, and for the partners and for our prospects. It's not for us. It's so that we can give this information and these resources and the training and the networking opportunity for the um, 2,500 attendees that we have every year. And we just knew that the in-person uh, event, it just wasn't going to work based on what we were doing. Um, and I think, you know, the team came together and pivoted quickly to the idea of bringing all of that content um, and the training and the keynotes and all that information to our audience in a virtual way which in some capacities mean we can open it up to even more people who would have been able to take advantage of it in person. Um, are you going to follow so, the exact same session track or, I mean, you kind of, did you try to trim some kind of follow the same roadmap a little bit? Jonas, I'll let you talk a little bit. Yeah, for the most part we did. Um, we had already given that we canceled experience uh, three weeks before it was going to happen. We had a lot of the content that had been curated for a long period of time. So not only had Erica's team, but the product marketing team, they'd all been working on these presentations, um, this content. And so we had a lot of this stuff baked in. And so what we did as a team is we sat down and we looked at what we had. We also looked at, we added a couple more sessions that are relevant to what we're going through right now. Um, for the most part, we preserved about 70% of the content. And in some cases, we combined sessions together into a single session. In other cases, we expanded the speakers to provide a more comprehensive view. But um, yeah, we, we were able to take the content we had, which allowed us a good jump start into planning this virtual event. So nobody should think they should jump out, right? Still the executive track, marketing track, compliance people, originators, yeah. data analytics, developers. I mean, uh, yeah, and we're even still preserving the tech showcases from our partners. So they still have an opportunity to, you know, showcase their demos and everything that's going on with their innovation. Uh, we're still doing our keynotes from our executives. We'll have Bob Brooksmith from the MBA um, give his view from Washington, which I think is you know very pivotal at this moment. And um, you know we have worked the events team and the product marketing team um, and our web development team have come together to create a user interface for our virtual event that allows people to do chat during the session. So if there's questions, we can address them either real time or after the fact. And actually get deeper into content so you know we can place case studies there so that as they're watching something from one of our lenders or one of our partners or one of our product managers they can actually in that moment take a look at case studies or um, white papers or other materials and dive deeper and um, sign up to get a demo right then and there so you know we're going to see how it goes it's it's a new world how do people uh, get signed up so right now there's about a thousand people that have the keep me informed. We'll open up registration next week. So we'll, we'll know then as Erica said, it actually allows us to open up this uh, experience to a broader set. 
we we kind of have a cap in terms of the number of folks that can be in San Diego with us. Mm -hmm. And we were right at the edge of that cap before we canceled. We don't have to worry about the early class being full. I mean, I think everybody's scared of that. (laughs) I don't know if anybody didn't want to register for that. Right. This, but this allows us to open it up. And so, um, we're going to provide this completely free, uh, to all of our partners, all of our, uh, key prospects, um, all of our lenders. Uh, this gives us purpose. Um, and, and at certain times it's good to have a purpose. It's good to have uh, an idea of where we want to be. And we think there's value here. Um, we think there's a sense of community here. We can't bump elbows with our, our customers, which is, is a shame. Um, we'll get back together in Las Vegas next year, but this does give us a sense of purpose. And so it has given the team a, a boost because they can get behind this. And I think uh, we're going to put on a, a really good uh, virtual show. It'll be on demand. So if you want to watch a session uh, that's already oh, that's been awesome. Checked, you can watch it at 2 a.m. And, and, and get as much uh, rich content as if you were participating. As Erica said, during the live sessions, we'll have more Q&A so that you can actually talk to the speakers and ask questions just as if you were uh, in San Diego. So we get to go mortgage people speed, like click next. I know that part. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, people can fast forward. <laughs> so do you, do you think you're going to do any of the uh, uh, virtual trainings this year? I think that would probably be a little bit harder to do the trainings. It's like transitioning to an online classroom. It was actually the, the first thing that we kicked off. Uh, so unlike oh, wow. The, the full virtual experience, we've already um, done a number of trainings, uh, whether it's early training or just some of the, the already training classes that were baked out. Um, we've got our first week of trainings, and those are paid, so but we've reduced the, the cost uh, quite a bit. And we've seen uh, hundreds of people that have gone through and taken advantage of those trainings. People have already budgeted and geared up for those, and uh, the training department um, and the marketing department kind of work together pretty quickly to make those available to all of our users. So did I hear you say that Mace gets to free sponsorship in uh, 2021 or did I hear that wrong? No, I might, I, but it's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, to touch on that though, it is looking like next year we are going to be at the win again, right? We are at the win next year. So 2021, um, separate from all that's gone on. Uh, the win over the last two years has built out a brand new conference facility. Um, I had a chance to do a hard hat tour at probably five, six months ago. Um, and they opened in uh, December, uh, started to have conferences there. And we are, we're the, we're the main occupant uh, for March of uh, 21. So our plan is to break bread with people, have drinks with people, and get everyone back together in a real physical world in 2021 in Las Vegas. Get back to hangovers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what other details about the experience before I you know, let you guys do your plug? Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that we haven't already covered. Um, like I said, we, we've tried to bring as much of the rich content as we could into place, the collaboration, as much as we can do that in a virtual world. We are. One of the things that that um, it maybe would have been brushed under the, the map that I wanted to touch on is we had made some commitments to uh, partners and, uh, and other folks, and we're doing our best to keep those commitments. Um, there's an organization that we partnered with um, uh, from an LMA Cares perspective called Operation Gratitude, um, and we're actually going to fulfill that 
that obligation to that um, uh, that charity. Uh, and this is a charity that um, packages welcome home kits for soldiers serving overseas that come home to open houses um, or come home to houses that are empty. Um, and so things like that, we want to make sure that we we hold up our end of the bargain. Um, there are a, a lot of folks that uh, we want to make sure that that we're good partners with. Um, and so we're doing a lot of that. It may take a little time to execute. But we're gonna we're gonna hold true on the commitments that we made uh, by being in San Diego and, and being a good partner of that community. Anybody, any way we can help with that, or anybody else who wants to help? Ah, uh, let me think about that. I, I hadn't really thought about that. We've um. As a company, we've tried to mobilize. Uh, as Erica said earlier, we had had our kind of pandemic response. And so we bought thousands of masks and thousands of latex gloves. Um, we bought crates worth of Purell and uh, wipes, uh, hand sanitizing wipes. Uh, and so we're also looking to donate that to um, our local community. So we've reached out to local schools and hospitals. Uh, Lynn Lamb, who's the head of our IT department, our SVP of IT, um, she actually personally drove down, um, I don't know, uh, 500 uh, masks and uh, thousands of latex gloves to uh, a hospital in Santa Clara that was running short of supplies because of what they're dealing with. Um, so let, let me think about that. Yeah. Um, we need to we, talk to my <laughs> wife. Anytime I offer to give money, I, I want this let me think about it response. <laughs> All right. Deal. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys both for joining. It's been a pleasure. Um, now is when I leave you with, I mean, your, your one minute to plug anything you want about Ellie May. Go. Go ahead, Erica. Uh, so I think everyone should just keep visiting LAMay.com. We've got all of our information there about the virtual experience, which launches. Um, it, it will be live on April 20th. It will be, um, the content will be available through the end of May. We also have all of our um, links to resources similar to what we were talking about earlier with um, Notarize and Clear Capital and others um, in terms of what we're doing to help lenders as they contend with the changes, whether it's notarization, it's appraisal, it's e-closing. Um, so if you check out the main page of LMA.com, all that information is front and center. Sounds good. We didn't have a single baby siren or dog bark. I'm pretty, or in Jonas's case, a chicken. No. We're all good. All right. We need to do this three months from now so we can have chicken and dog updates. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much. I'll give you the social distancing virtual dab here. Y'all have a good one. All right, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. That was good. That was really good.